0: Hi there, I'm Catherine and this is the night before podcast for English literature paper 2. I'm going to run through some quick topics in this um, podcast. Basically, the aim is to get you ready for your exam. So I'm going to be running through some quick topics, focusing on the text that you may have read as part of your exam. So uh, for this episode, I'll be looking at an inspector calls. I'll run through some quick thematic topics as well as looking at some more topics about the structure of the play. Um, I'll also be looking at some general exam tips and the stress buster. Let's have a look at some different topics from an inspector course. First of all, looking at a context and key theme, power and corruption. The opening act of the play sets up the Burlings as wealthy, powerful characters. The family are enjoying an elaborate meal in fancy surroundings, with servants attending them. They are a fortunate family, enjoying their well-off lives. Mr Burling uses his power as a boss of a company to get rid of Eva as she led the workers in their fight for a pay rise. Mrs Burling uses her position as a leading person in the Bromley Women's Charity Organisation to deny Eva any financial help. Sheila uses her family status to have Eva fired from Millwoods because she is in a bad mood. Eric uses physical and emotional power to force his way into Eva's lodgings, threats so to cause a scene to lessen Eva's social power anymore. Even more. Gerald uses social status and money and to, to manipulate Eva into being his mistress. So let's look at responsibility. Throughout the play, the characters see the effects of them using their power wrongly to mistreat Eva Smith. Sheila and Eric become more and more ashamed of themselves and their parents' reactions. But Mr and Mrs Burling refuse to accept responsibility for their actions, which causes tensions between them and their children. Some characters show that society is corrupt. Gerald and the older Burlings show how high-class wealthy people control society with their money and power. They can destroy the lives of the lower classes on a whim and never think about them again. What about the role of Inspector Gould? The author uses Inspector Gould to highlight the selfish and immoral attitudes of the upper classes. The higher-class people feel that they deserve their wealth and power, and those of the lower classes deserve to be less fortunate. That's everything you need to know about power and corruption in Inspector Cools. Now let's have a look at the structure of the play. The structure of the play lets Parisi show the characters and the audience events in ways that build tension and drama throughout the story. Preece uses Inspector Ghoul as a narrator who controls the release of information to the audience and characters in the play. Inspector Ghoul knows everything before the characters even tell him. This creates tension as the audience wonders how Inspector Ghoul knew that a girl had died. As the characters learn the details of the story and stop the flow by interrupting and arguing, we see their true natures. More tension is built up for the audience. Priestie's cliffhanger adds a huge amount of tension. The audience doesn't know how the characters will react when the police real police officer interviews them and if they will learn anything this time around. The cliffhanger also adds tension because the Burlings had just been celebrating they were free and clear. They thought they could pretend again that their actions have no consequences. The audience is frustrated because they feel like most of the characters will have learnt nothing, and they are told that there'll be a real investigation. Let's have a look at the cycle of events. The structure of the play represents an unending cycle of events. As long as the older Burnings and Gerald refuse to accept their responsibility for their actions, the cycle will repeat and people will get hurt. Mm-hmm. Eric and Sheila show that they could stop the cycle of destruction. They have learnt from their mistakes and are willing to change. Now finally, let's have a look at the setting and lighting in the play. The setting of the play never changes and is designed to show the wealth and privilege of the Burling family. Priestley describes the house as heavily comfortable. The house immediately suggests that the Burling family are higher-class people with a lot of money. So to recap that, where is an inspector called set? Is it in the Burling's house, in Eva Smith's house, in Gerald and Tudor's house or in the police station? correct answer is in the Burlings house. The significance of the setting. The setting never changes, which reminds the audience of the family's world well throughout the story, which could also be suggesting some of the characters never change or learn throughout the play. At the start of the play, the stage lighting should be pink and intimate while the family are having dinner. That's in the stage directions. The lighting is very important to the atmosphere and setting. This pink low light suggests the family and audience wearing rose-tinted glasses and can only see the perfect facade. The setting of the play never changes. What might this reflect? This might reflect the fact that the burning from gel do not change. When the inspector arrives, the lighting becomes brighter and harder. This lighting change is significant. It symbolises how Inspector spectacle sheds light on the true nature of the characters. And that's everything you need to know about the setting and lighting for an inspector let Let's have a run through of some general exam tips for going into your exam tomorrow. First of all, most importantly, read the question. I know you would have heard this tons of times before, but read the question and know what you're being asked. And answer the question that you've actually been given, not the one that you want to answer. It's really easy with essay subjects to try and twist the question you've been given into an essay that you've written before or that you've already studied but you will lose points to this so just make sure you actually answer the question you've been given. Second, and this is kind of related to this, read the command words. So is the question asking you to compare things? Is it asking you to assess the extent of something? Is it asking you to evaluate? Make sure that you actually respond to the way the question is asking you to respond. Third, remember to use quotes in your essays seems really obvious, but in English literature, you need to back up the points you're making with quotes from the text that you've used. Then, plan your time well. So make sure, actually at the beginning of the exam, take a moment just to make sure you know when you need to start and end each question. Don't spend too much time answering one question and have to rush out another one, because the marks that you'll gain from the long answer probably won't balance out the ones you lose from not writing enough. So make sure that you've got a good balance across your entire paper, and yeah, don't don't ha- don't put yourself in a position where you have to brush because you won't be doing the best that you can do. And finally, try to use an essay structure in your answer. Have an instruction and a conclusion and try and have distinct paragraphs that set out your ideas clearly. This way, that you, you can show off to the examiner how much you do know because you'll be able to express your ideas and your thoughts really clearly. And they'll be able to see how, the work you've been doing and the concepts and ideas that you've been able to understand and convey to them. finally let's run through a quick stress buster so first of all you know your stuff you can get through this you have been revising maybe you haven't done as much as you wanted to do but you've still been revising by listening to this podcast you have been revising so you can get through this exam Shake off the bad vibes make sure that you're not going in there with an attitude of you can't do this go in with a positive attitude some good vibes and you'll be fine get active Maybe tonight, maybe some point during the week if you have some time off. Go for a brisk walk or go for a jogger or a swim if you're able to. This can help you really focus, clear your head and just, you know, get out of your room or get out of the library. Make sure you pack your bag the night before with all your exam essentials. So you're not going in panicking about where your pens are or whether you've got everything that you need for the next day. Luckily, with English literature, you don't really need much equipment. You just really need to be able to have a pen and a few backup pens just in case those ones run out make sure you've got one that actually doesn't hurt to hold for too long because you're going to be writing quite a lot in this exam. Good luck for your exams. We're going to be releasing night before podcasts before every exam. And if you head on over to YouTube on every weekday, we are going to be doing live streams at 4.45 and 5.30. So make sure you subscribe. And while you're at it, rate us five stars. We're amazing. (laughs) Good luck.